Excellent job. Good afternoon, everyone. Hi, um, I'm Bob. I'm one of the team here, and uh, married to Tabby down here. Father to Hudson, also down here. He's looking. You're looking good, bud. Yeah, you're standing up these days with the help of props. Brilliant. Well, um, we are looking at this letter, this letter to Timothy, and it is kind of like um, the reason I, I play, wanted to play that quick game is because it's kind of got this parental. <laughs> This parental moment. Here we go. All right, we'll try it. We'll see how this goes. Um, there's, this, um, there's this parental vibe about the letter, which is... Um, this isn't going to work. Okay. <laughs> uh, Paul, Paul is writing to Timothy, and Timothy, he starts his letter, is like his dear son. And uh, there's like this sort of like father-son, this parental relationship going on in the way that this letter's written. But there's some real emotion that John was unpacking for us last week as he sort of started to unpack this letter that Paul is in prison as the letter's being written. And he's in prison probably, we think, for the second time uh, in his life at least. But this time he's in prison and things are bad. So the prison is probably not a nice place to be. He's not under house arrest like maybe he was before. But he's in a prison, which is fair, it feels fairly harsh an environment. And he thinks he's facing death. So he's writing this letter. This is the last letter that Paul writes. And he's writing this letter to Timothy, his son in the, in the faith. Uh, and he thinks he's about to die. So he's passing on these, uh, these truths to Timothy. He's like this sort of like father-to-son moment of like a pep talk of this is what I want you to know if I don't get to see you again kind of moment. So it's really important we kind of get that. We had a, a moment yesterday, there's another picture I think going to come up on the screen, um, where the father and son, yesterday, I don't know if you clock this moment, yesterday's the, um, as William knelt before Charles and pledged his allegiance to him, and there was this moment, I, I didn't actually see it in the moment, but I was listening to the commentary of someone who could see Charles's face in that moment, and apparently quite, you know, he felt like there was a lot of emotion in that moment, as I'm sure there would, there would be as a father knelt before a, or a son knelt before a father and pledged allegiance. So this is what's going on in this letter. There's a, there's a lot of emotion, and, uh, and Paul is, is telling Timothy some really important things that he wants him to know. So let's have a, um, let's have a little look at what's going on. If you've got, if you've got it um, in a Bible or on your phone, keep, keep it open. I'll, I'm just going to skim over it quickly. Verse 6 starts, For this reason... Okay, he starts, for this reason, what's the reason? The reason that he says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. For the reason is, that he's just been saying, is he sees the real faith, the real authentic faith that Timothy has. He sort of traces it back to his family, his grandmother and his mother. And he's like, I believe you've got real faith, real authentic faith. And for this reason... I want you to fan into flame the gift of God that is within you. Verse 8, he goes on to write, So do, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So it seems that there's, there's been people around Paul who've deserted him in this moment. There's a real shame around him being in chains and in prison. And... Uh, in verse 15, later, he says, You know, everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phygelus and Hermogenes. And so Paul is calling to Timothy not to be ashamed of the chains or of the message 
that they have about Jesus, but to join with him in suffering for the gospel. But don't be ashamed of this, of how we've got here, of what we've been proclaiming that's got us here in this moment. Don't be ashamed of these chains. Join with me in suffering. Join with me in this moment of pain. Verse 9, he highlights again that what they are suffering for is the good news that has saved us. Verse 9 says, he has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. It says, this grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So it's this like gospel message in the heart of what he's saying to Timothy in this moment. It's like, remember the gospel. Verse 11, Paul goes on to explain that it's because of his appointing to declare the good news about Jesus, to plant churches and establish new believers. That's like an, what an apostle does. And to teach people the way of Jesus. That's why he's been locked up in prison. It's because he's doing these things that he is suffering. It's because what his life is about is about seeing heaven come to earth. On earth as it is in heaven. That's what his life is about. He wants to see the kingdom of God break out. And because he wants to see the kingdom of God break out and his life is orientated around that through the gifts that God's given him, he is suffering. He is in pain. Why is he, in suff why is he suffering? Why is he in pain? Because there is a kingdom at work against what he wants to achieve, isn't there? There's a kingdom at work. The kingdom of this world does not want on earth as in heaven. It does not want heaven to break in on this earth right now. It does not want to see the things that Paul is working towards. And because of that, there is a conflict at taking place. Paul is suffering in the midst of that conflict. He's stepping out into the very good thing that has been won for them on the cross. And that's why he's suffering. And then he concludes this, this section with a, a sort of pep talk uh, to Timothy. In verse 13, he says, What you've heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. And so just quickly this afternoon, I'm going to look at two phrases from the passage. There's quite a lot going on, but I'm going to look at two phrases from the passage. I'm going to look at something in verse 14, which, uh, which I've just read, which is guard the good deposit. And I'm going to look at something in verse 6, which is the, the fanning into flame. What does that mean? So we're going to kind of pivot around those two things this afternoon. And we're going to phrase it like this. Uh, we're going to phrase it like this. A treasure to defend. A treasure to defend. I think this is going to come up on the slide as well so you can see it. And a fire to stoke. Okay, a treasure to defend and a fire to stoke. All right, so number one, a treasure, to, a treasure to defend. This is the good deposit that's been entrusted to Timothy. What's Paul meaning when he's saying a good deposit that's been entrusted to you? Guard this good deposit. What's he talking about? The, the, the word good here literally means beautiful. He's saying guard this beautiful thing, this treasure that you have. Guard it. Guard it so that it's not lost or damaged, is what the verb means, to guard. And what he, what he means is, the beautiful thing that he has is the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the good news of what Jesus has done for him and for mankind on the cross. 
this deposit that's been given to him in his purest form. He's saying guard it because it's being corrupted by false teachers and other people around the place who are spreading, adding bits to it and taking bits off it and manipulating it. But he's like, guard it. Guard the truth of what it actually is. It's the truth that God so loved the world that he sent Jesus to do something that we could not do for ourselves. To take on himself the punishment that was meant for us. So that by his wounds and his suffering and his death, we could know healing. We could know forgiveness. We could know the love of God in all its fullness and life everlasting with him. Amen? That's the beautiful news that Timothy has to guard this deposit. It's like, guard that. Guard that beautiful thing that you have. So what we're going to remember here is that Paul is reminding Timothy that one of the schemes of the enemy is to corrupt his understanding of that good deposit just so that he would live a little less holy in the freedom and the victory of what that good deposit means for him, okay? One of the tactics of the enemy is to corrupt something, isn't it? To twist something so that you just live a little less fully in what it really means. And Paul's saying, God, God against the beauty of that. So, what I want to do is just point out three things that the enemy wants to convince you of. Three tactics, okay, so that it would, um, it would upset your guarding of the good deposit. Okay, so three things, nice and quickly. Number one, the enemy wants to convince you and me that we are not powerful. He wants me to think of myself as weak and to stay out of the fight to think of myself only as a flawed, human, broken individual with no means of impacting the world. That is what the enemy is out to convince me is true about my life in his corrupting of that good deposit. But the truth we know is in verse 7, the spirit God gave us, he writes to Timothy, does not make us timid but gives us power. He's writing it to Timothy. Now, Timothy struggled with timidity, struggled with like what, this sort of like holding back or being slightly more reserved. He needed a little shove every now and again, a reminder of, you're in this, we're with you. God is with you. And he's saying here, the spirit that God has given you, Timothy, doesn't make you timid, it gives you power. He's combating one of those things that the enemy tries to work out in our lives. That we are powerful because the Spirit of God lives in us. In Acts 1, Jesus says to his disciples, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. That's the promise, as the Holy Spirit comes to live inside each one of us, that we would see the power of God come and live in us. I don't know about you, but some, there's some days I wake up and I forget that. And I think, I'm not very powerful. I haven't got a lot to do today terms of impacting the world I believe this little corrupt you know this little twist of the truth Ephesians 6 finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power so that you can take your stand against the schemes of the enemy Romans 1 verse 16 for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation the enemy wants to convince you and me that we have no power when we wake up tomorrow morning so let these words ring in your ears. 
Romans 6, verse 10, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you tomorrow. When you wake up, the truth is there's a power in you because the Holy Spirit lives in you. And the enemy wants to convince you otherwise. Number two, the enemy wants to convince you to dial down the love. Okay? I, I couldn't work out another way to say this. So I'm just saying it like this. The enemy wants to convince you to dial down the love. What do I mean by that? Well, the greatest commands that Jesus, you know, like reinforced for us were that we were to love God and love people, right? He underlined these as how we kind of fulfill the law. And yet there's a constant battle going on, uh, in my life at least, I don't know about yours, uh, just to love a little less well. Don't know if you feel that in your life. Just to love a little less well, to dial down the love in some way. Sometimes I don't want to love, I just want to be nice. You know, I'll just be nice to them. Love is too costly in this moment. They have really annoyed me. And all I can bring myself to be is nice, you know? But we weren't called to be nice. We were called to love, weren't we? Sometimes I'm too busy to love people well. Don't know if you feel like that. It's just there's too much to do. I've got too much to do to really stop and to love that person well. Sometimes I'm too annoyed or frustrated with them and I want to dial down the love. Sometimes I'm just too tired. Hudson's been awake a lot in the night. Tabby's more tired than I am. But we're both tired and I just don't have the energy to love them. Anyone else ever feel like that? Yeah, there's a fight going on for the love of God's people, isn't there? We're being convinced that we need to dial down the love. And I want to encourage you to stand against that. Philippians 2 says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete, being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and mind. The spirit that God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power and love. That's in the passage we read. It gives us power and love. And number three, the enemy wants to convince you to let your life be led by impulse and feelings. So it wants to convince you not powerful. It wants to convince you to love a little less well. And he wants to convince you that your life should be led by, by impulse and feelings. The enemy does not want a church full of people whose lives are conforming to Christ and becoming more like his. He wants to see a church that does what it wants, behaves like it wants, and says what it wants. In response to however it might be feeling on that day. But verse 7 says, the Spirit of God gave us the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Power, love, and self-discipline. Galatians 5, Paul writes, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The Spirit is in us. We want to walk the way Jesus has called us to walk. Okay, pause for a minute. I'm going to invite some friends uh, up to the front, who are going to help me, um, Pete and Nathan. Can I just uh, 
Can we give Pete and Nathan a little whoop and a cheer as they come up to the front? <clears throat> okay. Um, now, I'm going to give, can I give those two ones to Pete? Is that all right? Yeah, okay, and you have these ones, Nate? Okay. Now, Pete, you're into boxing, aren't you? A little bit, yeah. And you, you've got, a, have you got a fight coming up? I have, yeah. Okay, when, when? Uh, 26th of May, two, three weeks-ish. Okay, okay, cool. Right, put those on for a minute. This is getting exciting. Um, okay, so, um, Nathan, Pete, what I want you to do is just show us a couple of moves, okay, that would, uh, that would sort of like illustrate how you, you guard yourself, okay, when you're, you are right? Oh, you got the watch on? Yeah, don't take that. Okay. So, so just like, do a bit of sparring, but show us how you might guard yourself, okay, from the attack of the enemy. Pete, you try and attack, and Nathan, you try and guard a bit, okay? Yeah? Yeah, he should have gloves, but this is much more interesting if he doesn't, isn't it? <laughs> okay. All right, we've got some music for you, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Okay, come on, show us a bit of... Oh, yes. Ding, ding, yay! All right, all right. Just stay there for a minute. Um, so, we're talking about guarding this good deposit, like, you know, bracing for impact. So, when you're, um, you know, when you're, when you're in, a, in the match and you're guarding for, for, you know, you're guarding yourself, you're taking the hits, um, what's that like? Um, kind of half full of adrenaline, half kind of fun. <laughs> and, and, and when you're when you're in that you know you're guarding yourself you're are you waiting for a moment just to unleash you know just to kind of like spring out of it you're looking for an opening i think that would be the way you say it and then when you when you find that opening and you kind of step into it um what's in your like what's in your mind you know what are you remembering from your training as you kind of like step into unleashing you know what you've got in the in these things you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess if you're going to be technical, like to to put someone away, but also to guard yourself whilst you're putting that out. You know what I mean? It's like protecting yourself as well. So like balancing the offense and the defense as well. Yeah, yeah, being responsible. That's what I call that. Come on! All right, give these guys a round of applause. It's awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much, Pete, Nathan. Okay, so the reason I, 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 um, I asked them to come up, apart from I just wanted to see that happen, um, is uh, the next bit I just want to talk about is, is, is this fire to stoke. Okay, Paul, as he's writing to Timothy, is writing about this, um, this like fanning into flame the gift of God, or stoking the fire, or if you look at it in the Greek, it's like a rekindling of something. But there's this like word that keeps cropping up in the, in the chapter, if you read it, of, of like recalling and remembering. Paul keeps saying, like, remember, I remember this about you. I recall this about you. I remember, I recall. 
And it's a bit like he's trying to point out to Timothy, like, remember what you know. Like, remember your training. Like Pete was saying in that moment, when he's guarding himself in that moment, and then he's, he's ready, but he has to kind of remember not to, like, go totally, you know, crazy in that moment, you know, but to keep the guard uh, in place when he needs to. And, like, Timothy's, like, getting this, this kind of message from Paul, like, remember a few things. So a couple of things I think we could, um, we could point out from the, uh, from the passage this Paul wants Timothy to remember uh, to remember the grace that has been shown him in verse 8 and verse 9 if you read it uh, read it with me he, he says this uh, don't be ashamed about of the testimony about our Lord uh, sorry do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me his prisoner rather join with me in suffering from the gospel by the power of God he has saved us and called us to a holy life not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. So Paul is calling Timothy in this moment as he stokes the fire. One thing he can do to stoke the fire, to fan into flame the gift that God's put in him by the Holy Spirit is to remember the grace of God that's got him here. Now, and if you and I want to fan into flame, want to stoke the fires of our walk with Jesus, again, it's remembering the grace that has got you here into this place is a wonderful place to start remember it wasn't anything that you did he did it all he gave it all for you so that you might be in relationship with him who Jesus is and what he's done for you that he loves you more than you'll ever know he saved you and brought you out of darkness into light and that song I once was lost but now I'm found was blind but now I'm see but now I see amazing grace. It's amazing grace. Remember, as you stoke the fire, remember his grace. Number two, remember his call. Verse nine says, he saved and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. So we're not just saved, but we're called. It's like Timothy, you want to you fan the flame? of this gift, remember you're saved, remember you're called. You're called to something here. You're called to a holy life, to image me in some way to the world around you, to live differently, to be set apart. You wanna fan the flame? Remember, you're saved and you're called to live a certain way. And number three, we end on this, remember the gift. Remember his gift that is in you. That the Holy Spirit's been given you and is giving you what you need to witness to him, to make him known in this world in a way which is specific to you. Where you are, what you're doing, the gifts he's given you specifically. Remember that it's from him and his gift is in you. Remember that the spirit that God has given you does not make us timid, but gives us power, gives us love, and gives us self-discipline. Amen? Amen. All right.